Drama City Productions presets. Immersion Rig now online. Welcome nerd. Now generating episode 90. Featuring horror, comics, movies, wrestling. Full immersion begins in 3, 2, 1. Hey, this is Christian. Hey, this is Damon. This is the Amazing Nerd Show. Christian, Halloween is almost upon us. Yes, I know you've been fucking waiting for, like, since last Halloween, I think. Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, but with Halloween, you know what that means. Yes. Our second annual Horror Month. All right. So our October will be chock full of horror views. We're going to be doing a horror icon countdown. We're going to have a horror villain battle royal and a whole lot more. Yes. And of course, all the same nerd stuff that you love will be a part of the show. But we're definitely going to up the horror. Absolutely. And rightfully so. Yes, it's going to get gruesome up in here. Yeah. So we'll have a lot of great content for the month. And because of that great content, you're going to want to hear and listen to it all. So subscribe, rate it, and review it. Yes, please. It keeps a little independent podcast like ourselves going. Um, but it looks like it's time for the news. Yes. All right. Every week we collect the biggest headlines and rumors in nerdum. We are not mild manner reporters. We are mere podcasters with opinions. Let's get into the news. Well, let's get into our first story, which is Kevin Feige developing a Star Wars film. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's huge, yes. right? Uh, <laughs> Mr. MCU himself is going to a galaxy far, far away um, and perhaps saving Star Wars. I guess the jury's still out until everyone sees Rise of Skywalker. Um, but yeah, he's along with Kathleen Kennedy. Uh, he will be producing a film. We don't know much else though. Yes. Right now. So, but I mean, they did do a press release. It's not just a rumor at this point. So it's a pretty big deal. Yes. Um, what would you like to see him tackle? Well, I'd like him to start that big MCU Star Wars crossover that we've been talking about for the last 10 years. No, joking. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, please don't. I don't know. What kind of... I mean, I feel like we're, we're entering a new era for Star Wars after this film comes. And I'm, I mean, he would be producing, so maybe I'd like to see him behind whatever Ryan Johnson's going to be working on. Okay. I just feel like Ryan Johnson's probably going to have a lot of say and a lot of control. Mm-hmm. Unless, you know, Kevin Foggy is like a safety net for them. Um, I'm almost wondering if they're going to have him like tackle like the next chapter for like Ray. Cause right now we know that they're going, they, it, it seems like they've got like two different trilogies mm-hmm. happening. Um, neither of them have to do with, you know, our current movies, yes. but I'm wondering if they're going to have Foggy like oversee that. It, it feels like this is a ways off at least. So, because I can't see how it isn't, because we were—they promised us like just like like four or five months ago that we're gonna start pumping the brakes a little. Yes. We're gonna have less Star Wars. We're not gonna be doing one every year. 
but it feels like they kind of lied to us, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> we've got the Game of Thrones guys. Yes. You know, we've got all the Disney Plus shows. And then we've got Ryan Johnson stuff, which is also a trilogy, correct? Yes. So I mean, he was promised a trilogy. I mean, I'm not great at math, but that's a <laughs> lot of Star Wars, Christian. I hear you, but at the same time, Iger keeps coming out saying, you know, we made a mistake rushing in too fast. We need to slow it down. He talked about breaking George Lucas's yeah. heart, you know, when they didn't use his original storyline, which, which what, is fine. It, whatever. It was George. probably a mess. Yes. I saw the, <laughs> I saw the prequels. It's, it's okay. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, is Foggy just going to do a, like a standalone? Is he producing a standalone movie? I mean, I, I, I just feel like if he's in it, because he's such a huge Star Wars fan, mm-hmm. as we know, just even watching like the MCU movies, there's so many like homages to Star Wars. Um, it just feels like if he's in it, he's in it for the long haul. Um, I just, I, I'm also worried about the MCU. What does that mean? Is mm-hmm. he going to be able to split his time? You know, I mean, I know we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of questions I have, Christian. I mean, we have no idea. It's like two of my favorite things in the fucking mm. world. <laughs> Star Wars and Marvel. I just don't want them to fuck this up. We don't know where the timeline is with Star Wars right now, so we can't really say. I mean, yeah. by the time this comes out, we could be like facing like Phase Five already, and yeah. we don't know. Well, so. that's true. That is true. So <laughs> I wonder if this actually came into play with you know the whole Sony deal. Because hmm. you know they kind of leaked, or they didn't leak. Their rebuttal to everything that Disney kind of leaked to the press was that you know Marvel was pulling Kevin Feige off the Spider-Man films. So they kind of put the ball in, you know, the MCU's court. And that was really their decision, not theirs. Um, so, I, you know, maybe that was part of it. Probably. So I just worry that, like, maybe this is them trying to just get people to, you know, forget about Kennedy at this point and move forward. Do you think it's a transition? I mean, that's the rumor. I mean, they're they're clearly saying in this article alone, just like, oh, this isn't, you know, a transition. They're going to work together. Well, but it's just like... Was it last year after Last Jedi, mm-hmm. there were all those rumors that she was on her way out and they just couldn't find, like, a successor for her. Mm-hmm. So no one wanted to take the fucking job. But maybe they did find someone. Or maybe Faki agreed, but, you know, with, you know, just overseeing... You know, or like assisting her. So, um, I mean, if Feige were to leave the MCU, who could even fill his shoes? Okay, that's a whole different podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That would literally be like a skies falling scenario (laughs) for me, at least. So, I have no clue. There's no way one man can take on this many properties. So, you know, and I'm sure he's got a huge staff around him, Mm -hmm. and hopefully they're kind of, you know, getting someone ready, you know, tailoring them, you know training them underneath his wing to, you know, one day take over for him. So there is another rumor out there that he already has like a pretty famous actor in mind at this point for a role in the movie. I don't know if it's like a main role or whatever. Um, and that they, they've already reached out to them. So I just haven't replied to the email yet. So it's just, <laughs> yeah. we're in talks, I said famous but... and I said actor. <laughs> you are neither my friend. <laughs> Now, podcaster, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So what do we got next, Christian? Well, up next. Some bad news, right? <laughs> yep. 
Yes, uh, Ghost Rider gets dropped by Hulu. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, that didn't take long. No, I mean, literally, I think a week ago, um, Gabrielle Luna had like posted, oh, I'm so excited to get into the role back and everything. I'm so, like, because he was doing the um, press tours for um, Dark, uh, the Terminator film that's kind of Dark Fate. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> I forgot about that. Uh, <laughs> um, hopefully audiences haven't. So. <laughs> Apparently we won't be talking about it. Um, but yeah, no. They, yeah, because I thought they were like in pre-production at this mm-hmm. point, the way like that article read and everything. So it's just kind of out of nowhere. Do you think, and this is speculation and, you know, just us, you know, uh, spitballing, but do you think maybe the MCU, like, you know, pull the plug on it. I could see that. I mean, the, it's that same common excuse that they've had with all their, like the Netflix properties where it's like, oh, we just butted heads on like direction and everything. I mean, it sounds like a good excuse for them. But do you feel like maybe Kevin Foggy or someone yeah, else was absolutely. like, I want to play with this, you mm-hmm. know, this toy that I have. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Like when I heard that it was going to go Hulu, I was like, okay, great. I kind of enjoyed what they did with the character over at S.H.I.E.L.D., um, but at the same time, I've always been hoping to see him on the big screen yes. again. So there was a little bit of a disappointment factor for mm-hmm. me. Um, do you feel like now this is kind of them pulling the plug on that so then they can go ahead and, you know, take the character on into their own world? Because we know they say it's connected, but it's it's not it's really, not. <laughs> you know, it really is. I mean, even that series was supposed to be a different continuity to... Um, Agents yeah, of Shield. Agents of Shield. Oh, really? I didn't yes. know that. So they're just keeping the act. Well, that would have been confusing. Exactly. Um. So they're just keeping that actor, but mm-hmm. you know, just saying, hey, you know, all that stuff you saw in Agents of Shield. <laughs> doesn't forget matter. it. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's really how they've been really treating that series. Yes. It doesn't really matter. I, I like to think that maybe they're waiting to see the success of Doctor Strange two and see if like how people think of the idea of horror in um, the marvel universe and then man we have this perfectly built-in character for horror and moving forward with any type of darker type of character yeah i mean we're starting with blade why not throw in ghost rider then you can get like this kind of dark team around and honestly dr strange is a great way to introduce that exactly character. and you know like we we heard dr strange is supposed to be a straight horror movie so um you know not saying that he'll be introduced in that movie mm. but I mean, it makes sense for Ghost Rider to kind of, you know, ride the coattails of Doctor Strange, you know, and Blade for that matter. So, I mean, maybe we get like, you know, a film version of the Midnight Suns. Who knows? So, um, I, I'm all for it, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what Ghost Rider would you like? What version of the character would you like to see in the MCU? Um, you know, I don't have a problem with it, them continuing with Robbie. But I, I wouldn't mind if they started with Giant Blaze. Maybe get something new compared to what we got with Nick Cage. <laughs> <laughs> Anything but what we got with Nick Cage. Um, I, I think they should go with Robbie. I mean, it feels mm. like it would make more sense for where they're going, you know, as a brand at least. They're going younger. Yeah. They're going with more diversity it and everything. It fits what they've built so far. And Robbie's a great character. Mm-hmm. You know, from everything that Marvel's done recently with him and the Avengers and everything, I'm on board with Robbie. So I love Johnny Blades. I love Danny Catch. I mean, just give me Ghost Rider, really. 
But, I mean, you could still have Johnny Blaze. You could still have Danny Ketch. And it, you could really just explore that lineage of the Ghost Riders through Robbie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that makes perfect sense. All right. Well, continuing on uh, with a little bit better news, I guess. We have some casting rumors for the Batman. Uh, Jeffrey Wright could be playing Commissioner Gordon. Yes. So, um, this is in Matt Reeves' Batman. Uh, I think this is perfect casting. Uh, you know... I can see him in the role, but at the same time, all of what I've seen from his delivery of lines and every every film I've seen him in or show, mm-hmm. I just something like I can't believe him like him having that conviction as Gordon uh, alongside Batman. Now, like he's a great actor. He's a great know. actor. I don't think conviction is going to be his problem. <laughs> I don't know. There was something I was just like I can't imagine his voice coming out. That's Gordon. really I. You know, he carries so much weight mm-hmm. as an actor and, like, something about the a lot of characters that he, like, he portrays on a film. There's so much, like, authority behind him. So that's why I feel like it kind of fits, you know, for, you know, Commissioner Gordon. So for me, it makes sense. Um, but, I mean, I, I wouldn't have put, like, Gary Oldman in that role either, even though Gary Oldman's, like, the ultimate chameleon. Yes. So... <laughs> But I, I do like the casting if it ends up being true. Mm. It seems like it's more like they're actually just in the negotiation stages. It's almost like a done deal at this yes. point. But uh, there was another rumor out there, um, which seems to be a little more than just a rumor. Uh, Jonah Hill seems like he's actually in line for a role also, which from the start, like the announcement of the movie, people were kind of like already casting him as the penguin. Mm-hmm. Um but there seems to also be a strong push, or a rumor at least, with him um, being linked to the role of the Riddler. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I don't know if you've seen him in kind of like more serious roles, but him, I could totally picture him as the Riddler, taking on that kind of dark, um, just obsessed character. As yeah, because mm-hmm. he's a little manic. So, and he plays neurotic well. Yes. So I definitely could see him as the Riddler. Honestly, like, I guess it was just, like, his build that Mm -hmm. was getting him cast as the Penguin. Because he doesn't really fit the Penguin as a character. I I don't know. So, um, because to me, the Penguin's, like, a straight, like, gangster. I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously a peculiar one, but, like, he's, he's a gangster character. And Jonah Hill, I don't know, he just doesn't seem to be kind of like cut out of that mold. So, um, you know, I could be wrong. He's a great actor, obviously. Um, but I definitely would, I don't know, I would pin him more as the Riddler than anything, mm-hmm. like if I was going to cast him. And so. let, you know what? Let's change the Penguin in general. You know, let's, Idris Elba for Penguin. He could probably play any role. Exactly. So. <laughs> and make it work. <laughs> But he's already going to be... Well, I guess it doesn't matter because DC's going to be doing its own little like standalone yes. thing. Um, we don't know what So he's still my John Stewart, goddammit. So, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of yes. what, you know, uh, gun casts him as. Uh, but yeah, no. I Well, I, I hope it works out, though, because I mm-hmm. really do. I, I feel like that... That'd be cool. I, I like to see Jonah Hill like actually tackle one of these characters, yes. one of these comic characters, so... I mean, so far, cast is looking like it's going to be good. Yes, it's but everything, I feel like there's only really one confirmed cast member <laughs> at this point, right? And that's Robert uh, Pattinson. Yes. 
So uh, we'll see. Yes. Yeah. This movie's so far off. <laughs> I feel like we talk it like every other week at this point. But it's the Batman, so it matters. And that's podcasting. <laughs> it is the Batman, and yes. that's why it matters, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah, we definitely would be talking about like fucking Plastic Man like this. Exactly. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, what do we got next? Uh, up next, we got more casting news with Jurassic World Three. Bringing on all, almost all of its original cast. That's right. Uh, Laura Dern, Sam Neill, Jeff Goldblum um, are all rising their original roles. Um, are you a big Jurassic Park fan? Um, I like the originals for okay. the most part. The new ones have been pretty lackluster so far. Okay. All right. Star-Lord's in that, right? Yes. Okay. Um, does any like talk to the raptors or something? Yeah. As you can tell, I'm not a huge <laughs> Jurassic Park fan. <laughs> Um, I like Jeff Goldblum, and I, I and I really love Sam Neill. So, um, and I did enjoy the originals. I wasn't a huge fan, though. I know a lot of people are. I'm more of an '80s kid, though, so it doesn't have like that nostalgia thing for I'm me. I'm a kid. And dinosaurs. This was like them coming to life. Yeah. No. It, well, <laughs> shit, man. I was probably a teenager when that movie came out, and I was still like awestruck mm-hmm. at what they were doing. So, I mean, that's still Ber- Spielberg at his finest. So. Um, I don't know, man. I, did Goldblum already come back? Was he in the last one? Um, yeah, he was in the uh, second one. Like he has like a small part in it. Okay, so maybe this is like the bridge mm-hmm. to those characters. So um, returning. I mean, we're we're at a point where they've released dinosaurs into the world, so there's going to be kind of like. It makes sense. Oh, we need to bring in the experts to take them down. Well, not now we're bringing in the experts. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you have raptors running around, you should be bringing uh-huh. in the experts. So, but okay. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I'll check it out, but <laughs> I'm glad some people are happy about it. Because I, I mean, the, the last one got such abysmal reviews from people, and you know, I don't, I don't know how well it did in the box office, but. Now, there was a short film that was just recently yes. released, but both of us have no information whatsoever on it. I keep seeing like people saying it's great. We're, we don't even know where it was released, right? Battle at Big Rock is what it's called. It's so weird. Like, what? Okay. We'll, we'll obviously have to Google <laughs> it later on. And so, huge Jurassic Park fans here on yes. this podcast. <laughs> Jackson was oh he died though yeah right and the so first I guess he can't bring him back <laughs> <laughs> and that's before he was really like he was Samuel L. Jackson uh-huh. I think it was like right after Pulp Fiction came out but it was like or like like just months so he wasn't like a huge name just yet um it was like right before he broke hmm. thing. but I'm sure it's part of his like insane like box office like numbers. Because I think he's like the number one. We're down a rabbit hole right now. <laughs> but I think he ranks as like one of the highest grossing actors of all time. Is he is he beating The Rock? I Oh, yeah. Absolutely? Yeah, just because I just because of the movies he's been in. Think about the movies. They're mm-hmm. just talking about box office. Not like what he's right, bringing home, but like box office. It's you gotta know? be. Yeah. I mean, Avengers. Think Jur- uh, Jurassic Park. You know, um... He's been in everything. Yeah. Even though I'm drawing a blank right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty much in every other movie. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's crazy to think. Um, but yeah, I mean, well-deserved. All right, well, that's it for the news this week. Yes, uh, Damon, I believe you watched a show this week. So we're going back to the 80s. We are going to go ahead and review American Horror Story 1984. 
I got a gig as a counselor at a summer camp. They're opening up a couple of hours from here. You guys should all come. Desperate for some estrogen in this crew. Sounds fun, but... My cousin told me that the dude they're looking for slashed her throat. Jesus, can we shut up for a second? The cops are gonna find him, right? It's gonna be a non-stop party, okay? Look out! So... I really enjoyed like the first five or six seasons of American mm-hmm. Horror Story, but the last couple just never really clicked with me. Um, but I saw all the promo material coming out for this season. Seemed like it was going to be in my wheelhouse with the whole like slasher genre. So I thought I'd jump back on board. And so far, so good. I- I'm delightfully surprised with what I've gotten. Um, so this season, we're following uh, Emma Roberts' character, um, Brooke. Um, it's just 80s goodness right from the start. Uh, <laughs> she meets a group of friends in aerobic class, of course, because that's what we did in the 80s. We just went to aerobic classes. Uh, I don't and... want to picture that, by the way. <laughs> Me and a leotard? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll show you pictures, buddy. You're going to picture it. Maybe we'll post it on social media. Oh, um, but uh, yeah, so she meets up just randomly with these group of characters. They convince her to become a camp counselor. Um, there's some murders happening uh, where they're living at uh, by by the Night Stalker, who's like a real like you know serial killer. <laughs> but apparently, they're using real serial killers, you know, uh, this season. Also, so they're all terrified. They want to get out of town. They go ahead and they take the summer job. The night before they leave, she actually ends up getting attacked by Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, surviving, you know, the confrontation. Um, She's like telling her friends about this, you know, in the van on the way to Camp Redwood. Uh, You know, just just a crazy event. It seemed almost surreal. Like I was questioning at the Mm -hmm. time, like, is this a dream? Is this really happening? But apparently it did. So, uh, but there's more to that, I guess, as we go on. So they're going to the, they, they go to this camp Redwood and it's a camp where this horrific, like killing spree happened by this character, Mr. Jingles. Um, we get the backstory and everything like that. Uh, you know, it's it's very much, you know, paper thin. You know, he's like a Vietnam vet. It's just kind of gone like crazy. Um, the camp is being uh, basically reopened by uh, the lone survivor of his, like, killing spree. And they do this really cool flashback where they actually show exactly what happened. You know, very much, you know, in that typical, like, slasher vein. Even the way it's shot and everything. Um, it's really well done. Um, you know, he basically, I think he's like a groundskeeper or something like that, who, you know, loses his mind, goes insane. You know, it cuts off all his victims' ears. Um, it, you know, even the lone survivor's ears, she just basically plays dead. Um, so she lives on, obviously. She ends up testifying in his trial and being like the one witness who can put him away. So she finds God in the meantime, her husband dies, she comes into money and she decides to open up Camp like Redwood to like bring some innocent fun back into the world, supposedly. So, um, you know, they go ahead and, you know, of course, you know, while all this is going on, we're getting all this set up, Mr. Jingles escapes, you know, the mental hospital where he was staying. 
you know, the day before the campus <laughs> is supposed to, you know, reopen. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool scene. It plays a lot of homage to like Halloween. So, I, you know, I did enjoy that. Um, you know, hijinks ensues, of course. Um, so like the first episode is like pure nostalgia overload. They play the show like a straight like slasher movie um, from just, like I said, the dialogue to the music. Everything is like straight out of that decade. Um, it works, though. You know, it, it really does. And it has a lot of fun, like nods to, you know, those classic movies for old school horror fans. Um, but at times it is a little bit heavy handed to the point where like at first the characters feel so like paper, like thin that I was really worried about them being able to like, you know, stretch this like, you know, subgenre for like the whole season. Um, because it really is like a straight slasher movie, the first, you know, episode. Um, the second episode though, kind of alleviated some of those worries, um, it, we really got some of those like character twists and like backstories um, that added a lot of depth. Um, there's that typical kind of like subtext that really makes like the series, you know, you know, American Horror Story, like the whole series, like great and just, you know, a, a fun ride. Um, you never know really what's going on, you know, the first couple episodes so far, um, you know, but that's typical for American Horror Story. Um, we find out that, you know, Brooke's character seems to almost be like a beacon for these like insane events. Um, we get a flashback from her like wedding, her almost wedding, I should say, um, you know, where like shit hits the fan pretty quickly and I'll do like just light spoilers, but, um, you know, uh, so I mean, and then she's of course gets, you know, chased by Mr. Jingles at like a part of, you know, the first episode. So it just seems like she's the center of everything mm. that's going on. There's a ghost character who's part of the season. They meet him in the first episode. Um, they hit him with their car. They take him in. They bring him to like the camp. He's being treated by the nurse and everything. He seems to get killed by Mr. Jingles, but then he pops up again in the second episode and he's killed by the Night Stalker who somehow followed Brooke <laughs> to the camp. Um, so now not only do we have like Mr. Jingles like running around, but we also have the Night Stalker. So this like season is fast mm. moving, um, you know, uh, but it, it's fun. It's been fun so far. There's a little bit of mystery with Margaret's character, um, the person who reopens the camp, the sole survivor of the original like events that happens in the 70s. Um, it, it The second episode really like left me like questioning whether or not you know she was somehow part of you know that massacre um just with when she meets up with the ghost character you know she kind of it feels like he's kind of alluding to something more there and like we're seeing flashbacks through his eyes of her like kind of standing there so i don't know if they're trying to like you know i don't know allude to like you know more of that story like there's more to that story um it just knowing american horror story it feels like there's probably a lot more there um you know and she also had this has this weird confrontation with the night stalker who ends up in her cabin somehow and like they're 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 sitting there and she's trying to like convert him it seems like to jesus but at the same time manipulate him at the same time 
Um, you know, and she has this really weird line where she, I, I'm paraphrasing, where she says, like, you know, uh, trauma and, like, Jesus is a good way to, like, really, you know, manip to get what you want. So um, I'm wondering if there's something else going on. You know, maybe, you know, she perhaps, like, set up Mr. Jingles somehow. Um, one of my main issues with the season so far is just with the Mr. Jingles character um american horror story they've like introduced a lot of like classic kind of like almost iconic characters the last you know how many was nine seasons mm. at this point um you know from like bloody face to like twisty the clown i was really expecting more from the mr jingles character um and he's actually played by john carroll lynch who played twisty the clown um but i don't know it's just something about it it's just really like bland and like i don't know unimaginative so i was a little disappointed with that i was expecting to get like kind of like a jason Voorhees character but we're getting kind of more of like the fisherman from mm -hmm. you know i know what you did last summer it seems like so it's just like a dude in a raincoat so um i don't know but i i'm guessing that he's probably not really the main villain of the story so um I don't know. I mean, there's going to be plenty of like plot twists and everything like that. Hopefully you know, we've had so many like parodies of like the slasher genre yeah. in the last like decade or so. Um, I'm hoping that it's more along the lines though, of like, you know, um, cabin in the woods and not like another like scary movie type deal. So that's my concern with it. I do like how they've kind of like flipped the script with the genre and everything they made like a lot of the male characters like the sex sex objects um you know and the female characters are more like the main focus and everything like that they're the ones who are kind of like you mm -hmm. know um chasing after the guys if you will so um but overall it's it's been entertaining so i'll definitely be sticking around for this season good i mean it's good to hear that it's, it's it seems more than it's just going to be because when you were describing the first episode to me just uh, off uh, mic and everything, it sounded like maybe they were going way too quickly, you know, with very little mystery to it and everything. But I mm. mean, now that you've seen the second episode and there seems to be more rooted into you know that typical American horror story mystery going on behind the scenes, yeah, it definitely sounds like yeah, it could be that kind of cabin in the woods type situation where. There's a lot of different elements being played around here. Yes, when they introduced, you know, the one mm -hmm. uh, character as a ghost, pretty much, this episode, it's like, okay, there's a lot more going on. And the fact that, you know, the Night Stalker showed up on the camp, mm -hmm. you know, and has this weird conversation with Margaret, I was like, all right, something else is going on here. Um, Do you something feel else like they'll playing. be able to keep up this pace? That they've set so It far. is a crazy pace. I'm guessing we're probably going to get a couple episodes of, like, you know, just, like, one character, like, focus, a lot of, like, backstory and stuff mm -hmm. like that, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I kind of want to see if we get, like, more into, like, Brooke um, and just, like, her crazy past. Because I have a feeling, like, there's going to be an episode where it's just going to be, like, insane event after insane event after insane event, you know? Where it's like, okay, what the fuck is up with this? Mm -hmm. what, what's going on with this character um, that, you know, just this insanity seems to follow her? So, um, but yeah, and I'm sure we'll get, you know, more into Margaret and everything like that. So, 
I don't know, man. I, I'm intrigued at least. So, like I said, I think the first or the last couple seasons, like I would watch an episode or two and I would just be like, okay, I would never come back to it because mm-hmm. it just didn't, it never grabbed me. But this is definitely, you know, like I said, in my wheelhouse. So it's got a better hook on you. huh? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I mean, uh, I do agree from what I've seen of the character design for Mr. Jingles. He doesn't feel like that typical American horror story. Like, icon type of villain yes and you know imagery wise Mm -hmm. like their shit has been on point like it really has been they've got they've created some great characters so i mean and like the trailers and everything leading up to it seemed like they were gonna you know introduce something really cool here too but you know because they never really showed his face or anything Mm -hmm. but like they just overexpose the character right off the bat. And it's like, okay, so it's just some old dude, you know, in a raincoat. Like, why am I time, scared of him? You know? I could argue that looks like that typical villain. Yeah, and it is kind of that villain in a lot of slasher movies, mm-hmm. but a lot of the less successful slasher movies. You know, give me something iconic to look <laughs> at, too. You know, it's all about the mm-hmm. mask, you know. Give me a mask for crying out loud, you know. All my favorite serial, you know, slasher, you know, characters wear something iconic yes. or have that, like, great look. So, um, I don't know, man. I was just a little, like, disappointed with the character design. I'm, I'm hoping that there's probably more to come. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, maybe they end up killing him and then he comes back in a supernatural way or something. So, which would be very typical slasher movies. So, um, we'll see. All right, Damon, it's time to talk some comics. We haven't said that in a while. I know. All right, let's let's play catch up, Christian. All right, so up first we have Absolute Carnage. Number three. Um, So, where we're at pretty much is... Carnage is running around. He's trying to collect the codex out of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a piece of the symbiote. Um, I guess any character who has worn the symbiote in the past has this codex like part of their DNA. So C- Cletus has been brought back to life by Grendel, who's this god symbiote. He's trying to collect all these codexes so then he can fully like summon Grendel at mm-hmm. his like I don't know peak prowess, you know whatever. <laughs> uh, but it's been a good time. I've enjoyed it so far. I, I you know really? the first the first issue I was so so on. There was so much heavy focus on Eddie and his son and everything. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure where that was going. Um, but since then they really kind of hit the ground running. Um, it's just been nonstop. Uh, it really kind of harkens back to like that like 90s action-packed kind of comic book style um which is hit or miss a lot of times um it might almost bankrupt marvel (laughs) you know they're a little light on story Mm -hmm. but um there's something nostalgically like fun about it so um it's just hitting the right buttons for you yeah yeah I, i i i enjoy this so in the third issue Miles has just been overcame by, you know, the symbiote. So now he's possessed. Eddie is kind of stuck. Um, he's trying to get uh, Max uh, Scorpion, who has also been Venom at uh, points in Marvel's history, um, just out of there. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of just on this manic pace. Um, you know, it, it's just, it feels like a really good action movie, which I enjoy. So, um, 
but yeah, they're they're trying to get out of there. Um, they eventually get back to the base um, where Reed Richards from you know the Ultimate Universe is testing out this machine that supposedly can strip the Codex out of the mm-hmm. heroes, basically and villains alike who've worn you know the symbiote in the past. Um, he's discovered that Eddie's son actually has the Codex himself. Um, originally, they thought that it was actually Eddie's um, wife uh, who would have it. So he was fearful that uh, Carnage was, you know, digging up her corpse to retrieve it. But um, it ends up that it's Eddie's um, son because I guess like through like when she was pregnant with him, he somehow got infected. By gotcha. it. So um, he's doing these tests and everything. Eddie shows up to the base. Um some of the Avengers are there. Bruce Banner's actually there, along with uh, Captain America. Um, so, you know, they're trying to calm him down. There's, they're doing these tests. Peter's, like, talking to Eddie. And then all of a sudden, Peter realizes something's wrong. And that Eddie's actually not Eddie. That's actually Cletus in disguise as Eddie. So the shit hits the fan. Um, you know, there's a little battle. And then Carnage ends up infecting the Hulk. So he jumps onto, you know, Bruce Banner, who, as we know, turns into the Incredible Hulk. So now this is probably one of the most powerful versions of, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the, the Carnage character that we've ever seen. As if the guy hadn't had a bad day enough, you know? Yeah, right. I don't know where the continuity lines up right now, but this is a terrifying version of the Hulk as is. So, so I can't even imagine what you know this means for you know our heroes right now so and that's how the issue ends but it's been a fun ride it really has been it's been really action-packed and like i said that first issue i was a little concerned but i don't know man the art's great too um it's by ryan stegman so um just really cool visuals um there's a scene where eddie's trying to escape i believe it's actually in the second issue and he actually ends up like um growing wings um, you know, like he's got so much control over the symbiote that yeah. he like forms wings with it. Pretty fucking badass. So um, I will say, uh, I do enjoy the fast paced action, but at certain points, it does make me roll my eyes a little bit. Just like um, the lines and stuff, like a lot of what Carnage says at times just sounds like, oh, he's trying to be the edgiest guy in the mm-hmm. room. You know, it's just yeah. <laughs> that's kind of Cletus yes, too so he's trying a little too hard you know mm-hmm. but um, you know that really harkens back to the character's debut too like he's over the top you know um, just you know just everything that you would expect like a 90's serial killer you know from a bad movie to be so but god I loved him in the 90's and I still I still do I still have a thing <laughs> for him I guess so um, but yeah no it, it I don't know. It's working so far. So um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving parts, but they're juggling it well. Well, Damon, talking about a lot of moving parts, <laughs> we're going to move on to Powers of X number five, which is just kind of like diving into all the elements that kind of got us to where we are at this point. Yes. And I don't even know how to begin to recap <laughs> the roller coaster ride that Hickman has taken mm-hmm. us on. So the last time we talked about the book, I think it was the issue where we lost, you know, a giant group of X-Men, you know, like core members of the team, Cyclops, 
Marvel Girl, Wolverine, Nightcrawler, Archangel. I mean, like, you know, huge members. We knew they weren't really dead. We've seen the solicitations for the next couple mm. months. But it was still, a, it was a big moment, you know, and it was well done. You know, um, I really enjoyed their deaths. Um, but we knew that it was going to be quickly undone, and it was. Yeah. So we kind of found out the little mystery to what's going on in this world. Because right from the get-go in the first issue, we're like, okay, we saw all these characters, a bunch of the characters, like New Mutants, Banshee, they all died Literally. in Rosenberg's, <laughs> you know, run. Havoc. A week um, before. Yes. <laughs> so, and I mean... As X-Men fans, we know these mm. characters, when they die, they're going to be back sooner than later. But this felt really, really soon. Um, but it apparently, not to go too deep into it, there's a group of five characters yes. that can... <laughs> yes, I'm going to try, Christian. Um, they have a way of basically, you know, bringing back these characters. Um, it might be a little contrived. But I still found it enjoyable and interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I'm a hardcore X-Men fan. How I mean, how did you feel about it? I was just like, this is nuts. So, like, one of the <laughs> mysteries has been, like, why is Professor X walking around with this, like, mini oh, version yeah. of Cibro C- on his head? Um, and then we discover that not only can Cibro, like, you know, hunt down mutants, but it also is being used now to actually download their entire like consciousness yes consciousness their mindscape if you will um and he's doing this for all of like mutantdom you know like it and he's doing it like weekly mm-hmm. you know to keep updated versions of these characters that way if anyone dies they can go ahead and bring them back you know by God, Jesus, I won't go into it, but like somehow <laughs> this character Gold Balls can like make eggs yes. and then um, Proteus. Proteus can like alter reality to make them into like actual like. I you know, know, like, eggs that can be, like, fertilized, I guess, in a way? or Yeah, I don't I, I know. Don't, like, eggs that can actually survive. Yes, and then there's another mutant, I can't, and her name escapes me, but she can speed up time to exactly where they were, mm-hmm. you know, age-wise. Um, and then uh, Hope comes in, and she somehow, like, you know, puts this all together. I'm forgetting one character. Um elixir oh elixir also is involved somehow i forget what the hell he's doing but it's a lot to consume Mm. i dug it but i could see why you know someone who isn't kind of like steeped in like the lore of the x-men might be like well this is a bit much it's it's (laughs) a lot but at the same time like it reminded me of a lot of um kind of like cyberpunk stuff that's been going on okay like uh the show altered carbon where they're basically using bodies as like just shells and like taking the consciousness and constantly uploading it into a new body and stuff like that. It reminded me a lot of that type of technology, just in a very contrived mutant type of way. It's just, it was so intricate, mm. like how they described it and everything like that. But I think what I found most interesting was like how these characters are being treated, you know, after the fact, like they're at 
you know, some big like hilltop or something like mm-hmm. that. Storm reintroduces the, all the X-Men that they lost to like basically everyone who's living in Kuroka. And, you know, there's like this almost like, I don't know, like if it almost had like this like cult like vibe, yes. right? Going I was on. like, man, she really seems like she's been drinking the punch. Yes, right? And so does everyone else. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit odd. And we haven't had those like in-between moments to see where how these characters got to where they are right now. Um, you know, um, she introduces them. She has them prove who they are to the people. Um, Which you know. they don't really do anything to prove who they are. Well, they, they mention moments, you know, that are key to like their histories together with Storm. You know, so I think that's her way. But I mean, that's easily if they're just trying to fool the people, that would be mm-hmm. easily. You know, I mean, Jean walks up and says, "I'm the only person I've ever been." Yes, and and that, and that was it. Well, it's kind <laughs> of just because you know Jean has died so many times. I it's guess. like okay, I'm over, <laughs> I'm over this. I don't need to prove anything to you. Um, but yeah, so I I don't know. I thought it was a fun moment, but I was like, man, what has gone? Like, what has happened mm. to the X Men? Um, you know, because they're like also screaming, but I know they're true because they're also mutants and they all chant mutants together. It just had this really like strong like cult vibe and everything. And they're the way they're talking about how they're treating the five, and I can't think of the name that they have for the group. You know, who can resurrect these mutants? Mm-hmm. Like they're almost like holy, you know, beings now to like their society. So it just it almost has like an Inhumans vibe to mm-hmm. it. So. I don't know it's it's interesting and then they so and this is in a different issue you know so we're gonna just basically cover where we are up to now <laughs> but uh they've taken in basically all the villains yes. you know apocalypse mr sinister um we get a great backstory with uh, mr sinister we find out that professor x is kind of and magneto have been manipulating him this entire time um he's been downloading all of the DNA of the entire world, which we actually found out this past summer when they were doing, or actually two summers ago. I think it was the hunt for Wolverine? Yeah, the hunt of Wolverine, right? Um, Which was kind of cool that they tied that in. I was like, man, Hickman's really been doing his homework. But I guess that was actually all started by Professor X. Apparently for this reason, um, I'm not sure how he would get from here to there though like that doesn't really all line up to me because that was like year one mm-hmm. now we're in year 10 so i mean he really must have had a long game planned um so i i don't know i don't that's the, like there's a there's a lot of mystery going on yes because i'm still not convinced this is our continuity like this is the 616 still and we know everything that's going on with mora and you know mm-hmm. all her different incarnations so like like, is this the 616 or is this just another, like, you know, another time, <coughs> another lifespan of Mora that we're following, you know, and like in the long run, is she going to end up dying? And we haven't seen her since the last time she died and we got back to this point. Yeah. So, you know, is she going to end up, you know, dying at some point and then we're kind of just rebooting again or we get back to the 616? So, and I, or maybe this is the six ones because it just feels like they've retconned a lot here. Like from year one, they've got Professor X and Magneto working together on this like huge vision for you know the mutants. So I have no clue what Hickman's doing, <laughs> but I like it. I like that mystery. I do like that mystery. I like. But I'm a Hickman fan. Mm-hmm. I know that's kind of his mo. So I'm like willing to like deal with that. 
I like the story when we stick with what's going on with the X-Men and Xavier and everything. But every time we skip ahead in time to like year 1000 or year 100, and I just don't know what the fuck is happening. Yeah, we haven't gone to year 100 in a little bit because, mm. you know, that whole timeline ended with Apocalypse taking on Nimrod and then, you know, them figuring out exactly when the Mother Molds, you know, came yes. to be. But year 1000, I can give a shit about year 1000, I'll be <laughs> honest, because I don't even see how any of that matters yes. at this point. I don't see how, like, I don't know, story-wise, like, how that has anything to do with anything or why I should care about that. How is that, all that stuff going to come into play? There's elders, there's a librarian, they're trying to ascend. I don't know. I read it, but I don't understand. You know, I'm more intrigued by, like, Professor X, Magneto, setting up this new mutant society and seeing all, like, those inner workings and Mm -hmm. everything. Uh, this past issue was all about like how they're going to end up like governing this yes. society, um, you know, and they offer you know Emma a role in this like council that's going to start them off and maybe it'll eventually turn into like a democracy or you know yes. a different version of this. It doesn't feel that way though. <laughs> There's twelve seats. They give Emma one, and then they also give her well, they give her two seats. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, besides her own, but uh, they want her to get back in bed with uh, uh, the Black King. Uh, so she's got to go ahead and bring back Sebastian Shaw, who she just got rid of in the Hellfire Club. But that's all for like distribution reasons because they need all that like kind of like black market dealings. She's going to be like the legal front for everything mm-hmm. that's going on. And this is for the, the pharmaceutical drugs that they're going to be distributing around the world, which is basically how they got Kuroka to be recognized as its own sovereign state. So uh, there's a lot going on. Yes. <laughs> a lot of politics, a lot of sci-fi. But yeah, so but the, but we haven't been. We don't know exactly who else is on that like council right now. We know Professor X. We know Magneto, um, White Queen. You know Black King. Um, there's rumors right now that Kitty Pride might be part of it. It would make sense. Um, but otherwise, we don't really know at this point. I'm at least glad that they grounded it and had Emma go. This isn't going to work, and like they had to explain it to her and at least get her on board. Rather than her just, you know, immediately being like, yeah, we're going to make this work. Yeah. 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 But it made sense for her character. Absolutely. So Mm -hmm. I agree. You know, I would expect them have to like having to twist her arm more. Because she has everything she wants. Yeah. It could have been one of those situations where Xavier just like puts an image into her mind of what he sees as the future. And then she's just like, oh, I'm on board. You know, instead they had like. A moment of you know what do you mean yeah we're gonna put everyone on an island to get them all killed again don't you remember <laughs> what happened <laughs> and she was one of the lone survivors mm. of you know what happened then so of genosha so you know of course she's gonna be the first person to protest that idea um i don't know man i, I i've dug it i you know i've seen the solicitations for all the books spinning out of this um a lot of them seem weird to me. There's mm. a, And there's a lot of them, of course, because they're X-Books, so there always has to be 20 of them. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I'm really, really interested to see you know, where Hickman has us going from here. So, like, is this going to be a thing in the Marvel Universe? Like, I, I just, it feels so weird and off to me. 
Because really, I mean, they the X Men feel really dark right now. They feel so different. Yes, there was the one moment in I believe it's in this past issue, uh, Powers of X five, where it gave me a little bit of hope. Just uh, when Professor X goes and you know makes an offer to Namor, mm-hmm. um, and Namor says, you know, you finally realize what I've always realized. Basically, I'm paraphrasing, but you know that you know the humans aren't us mm-hmm. that you know they're beneath us um but at the same time like he could tell that you know professor x's heart really isn't into this you know so that he's really not you know necessarily as genuine as he seems um you know with this whole new mission statement so i'm wondering if that's kind of planting you know seeds for mm-hmm. things to come with him you know is he gonna eventually butt heads with Eric, you know, and the council. Um, so I guess we'll find out sooner than later, right? Because, I <laughs> yes. mean, we only have one more issue for both books, Powers of X and House of X. So, and then we're in our full run for all the books. I think Hickman's doing the main title, and then there's a lot of spinoffs. Yes. So, I mean, man, <laughs> October's going to be a long month. Um, but, yeah. Um, I mean, have you enjoyed it so far? I enjoy it. I just think I need to see the end goal. I need to see everything wrapped up and it makes sense. I don't think you're going to see it for years. <laughs> just knowing what Hickman did with the Avengers, I mean, that guy... I, th- I mean, mean that's fair. Like a three-year arc, so... Mm. Um, you know, and everything he does matters, so it all comes into play. And he's pulling from, like, other arcs that he's done in this, you know, in mm-hmm. his X titles right now. He's he's doing things that he you know he's touching things that he did in Avengers. He's touching things he did with his Fantastic Four run. So I mean, it's really integral, you know. But least, I dig it, or at least I want to see how this connects to the current um, universe. That's when I, I want to see if there's any like you know does this take the X Men out of the loop with like you know the current titles mm-hmm. you know for the rest of the Marvel universe, you know, and what are those interactions going to be? Because I, I would love to know what, like, Black Panther, of all people, is thinking about, you know, this separate nation of mutants and stuff like, like that. And how the Avengers going to mm-hmm. address this, you know. So, I mean, it's got to definitely raise some alarms with them. So, um, I don't know. I know. And it just seems like the characters are so different than the versions that we know mm-hmm. at this point. It's still, I still get these evil vibes coming from Xavier mm-hmm. while reading this. So, I just... We'll see. Like I said, that that name more mm-hmm. moment though, that was the only thing that kind of left that like glimmer of hope for me. So that something else is going mm-hmm. on. Um, but all right, so let's move on. Yes. Next we have Doomsday Clock number eleven. We thought we'd be talking about Doomsday Clock twelve. We, <laughs> we'd be wrapping up this you know year and a half long journey. Uh, but DC <laughs> has other plans for us. Yes. Once again, the book seems to be delayed. I thought it was supposed to be coming out this month. Mm-hmm. Maybe I missed the press, you know, um, release where they said no, but it's pushed back again because it's coming out in November. So, um, but allegedly, sh- yes, allegedly. <laughs> that will make it two years. I feel mm-hmm. like exactly. It's insane. I mean, it's I mean, it's twelve issues, but it's just twelve issues. So, and that's not the the calendar that they had for the book originally mm. there's definitely been heavy delays in between um you know so i don't know if like jeff johnson's just writing this as he goes or what <laughs> or if they had to make like lots of different changes 
Um, I would think that a story like this, they would have had mapped out, you know, big time in advance. Um, but I don't know. What, what were your thoughts on this? Um, you know, I just, I enjoy, I enjoy the story a lot. Mm. I feel like this isn't going to have the impact that they had like said it was going to have on the entirety of the DC universe. I feel like, you know, they originally said, you know, this is going to be, you know, the end of the kind of the rebirth, uh, like era and everything. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go into something new after this, but where they are with like justice league and everything. And I'm not a hundred percent caught up. I'm just kind of, you know, getting glimpses what of kind news. Of what, right? It's the year of the villain. Right yes. Yeah, the year of the villain and everything. What's going on? Could this set up like lax for everything that's happened? recently maybe but at the same time like lex in the year of the villain is like master plan and i'm i'm gonna become you know ruler of the world lex right now whereas in doomsday clock he's very reserved yeah but he was a main like focal point in issue 11 so Mm -hmm. i started to think okay well maybe he's part of everything that's happening now adrian basically goes through this full explanation of like how he's been really yes. pulling all the strings behind the scenes um, with the Superman theory and just everything that happened in Russia um, with uh, Firestorm mm-hmm. and, you know, just the, the giant mess that DC is right now in this book. Um, we have no idea time-wise where this is supposed to take place or where everything falls. But basically, like, a Metropolis looks like Gotham right now. Gotham is just pure anarchy. You've got like some kind of like like gang civil war happening um, apparently in the streets of Gotham. Mm-hmm. They talk about I don't know if it's between like Marionette and um, the Joker, but if like we haven't seen like they, the last time we saw them they were together, right? Yes, and... But I feel like they mentioned that like briefly and then mm-hmm. they didn't do anything <laughs> with it. Um, but I mean apparently they're just running out of time at this point, so. Um, but yeah, no, we see them like on the streets. Um, we've got Superman finally waking up from his coma. All the heroes are off the planet. Wonder Woman's kind of on her own, like fending, you know, off, you know, all these different assaults. The Amazonians have come. Yes, to come take, uh, take her away. Yeah. Like they're fearful for her, which I mean, is crazy to think. Mm -hmm. So they like literally take her away and bring her back, um, you know, with them. So, I mean, the shit has really hit the fan for the DC um, universe. Uh, Superman ends up waking up. He flies off to confront the president. Um, and then he ends up meeting up with Black Adam and, like, his whole group of, like, metahumans mm. who he's, like, almost started, like, a different, like, state with them. Like, he started, like, a safe nation. For yeah, he created, like, asylum for them. Yes, yes. So, and they're there to confront the president, too, so... Um, but we know that the book ends basically with right before the moments where finally Dr. Manhattan mm-hmm. and Superman meet. And like all the books have been kind of like leading to this moment. So, you know, and that makes sense because we're at issue 12. You know, if, if we ever get a chance to read it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll see. But I really enjoyed how this was written, though. In yes. general, I like I liked seeing these like three different storylines of like what's going on, how this all came to be, you know, from these three different perspectives. Like you have the perspective of pretty much a god in this universe, thinking that he's changing the different elements. 
Then you have Osmandius saying, you know, oh, I've I've been manipulating everyone. And you have Lex, you know, trying to, you know, put all the breadcrumbs together and explain how that's working. And it feels like Lex mm. is trying to figure out how he can kind of, like, yes. you know, manipulate everything to work for him at the same time. That's where I'm saying, like, you know, I, I have a feeling that somehow Lex is going to end up on top of all this. And I mm. thought maybe Lex was trying to recreate what Adrian did in his world. Um, with the DC world mm. where, you know, he ends up kind of like manipulating this giant event and then, you know, it causes, you know, this kind of like ripple effect that, you know, kind of, you know, uh, reunites, you know, society against metahumans, which, you know, always has kind of been like, you know, a Lex Luthor thing to do. Mm -hmm. So, but... I don't know, man. I, I, you know, it really plays out that Adrian Diaz is like the one person, you know, at the root of all this mm -hmm. at this point. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Lex is even, you know, pulling more strings that no one else knows yeah. about. I mean, will that feel cheap? I'm not sure. Um, but like, I agree the book is definitely really well written. I've enjoyed it every time I've gotten a chance to read it. It's just, it always loses so much so much momentum as a story for mm -hmm. me when there's, you know, a three month gap in between each chapter. Um, you know, I actually, you know, questioned whether or not I would even read the last two issues if I would just wait till everything was collected and reread the whole mm -hmm. thing. Um, Cause I'm sure it's a great read, you know, once it's all together, but I always have to do this thing where I start reading the book and I'm like, wait a second, what happened with it? Where, where are we at with this character? You know, um, this past issue, there was everything going on with a uh, Jupiter girl, and like yes. I was like, "What is what is happening?" I I totally forgot what the deal was mm -hmm. with her and everything, and then she just, I, she disappears from reality, just with like Osmandis like mentioning, "Just did Superman remember you?" And the fact that she realized that Superman didn't remember who she was when she met with him last was enough for her to realize that she's no longer part of this universe or this reality. Yeah. So then she just disappears. I was like, well, that feels like such a Warner Brothers, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like cartoon thing, like, uh -huh. you know, the Wile E. Coyote, you know, running off the cliff and then like looking around and then looking down slowly and then falling, you know, it just seems mm. odd to me, <laughs> but sure. Whatever. Um, but it's been enjoyable. It really has been. How did you feel about uh, Batman finally reaching out to Rorschach at, after you know he's given up the title and everything? I don't know. I was fine with it. I, you know, at this point, I've kind of ridden off Rorschach, and I don't know how much I care about the character anymore. Hmm. There's so many other loose ends that need to be tied <laughs> up at this point. I almost don't want them to spend too much time with him. Um, I'm sure they're going to since he, he was such a main focal point in the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. But it just, I mean, there's only one issue left and there feels like there's so much more story to tell. Um, but at the same time, I'm relieved that there's only one more issue left because it's been two years. Yes. <laughs> so I don't know if it's just, just mismanagement on DC's part or, you know, like I said, maybe they had to change the story you know, to kind of mesh up with, like, current continuity, if it even does at this point. Um, and I'm okay if it doesn't. Like, it, yeah, if it's I mean, just it's, a good story, it's just mm. a good story, I guess. But I felt like we are kind of promised that, so I might be a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm fine if this turns out to be a standalone series. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I just I really am having a hard time tracking everything to see how it would, you know, end up meshing with everything that's currently going on. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, I'm not, you know, reading tons of DC books right now. So maybe I'm way off. All right. Well, that's gonna do it for this week. Let's talk some wrestling. Hey, Christian, where did you get that awesome vintage Spider-Man shirt from? Damn it, I scoured the internet looking for cool stuff to wear, and I found this awesome website called westcoastgeeks.com. Plenty of awesome merch that I think even you and our listeners would like. I'm always looking for more nerd swag, Christian. Great, because they've got figures, they got pop figure shirts, hoodies, the works, man. I think they even got graphic novels now. Keep talking, man. Well, I mean, if you go and check it out today, you can use our promo code NERDSHOW. Get 20% off. Hold on. So I'm doing this shit for free, and you've got a whole fucking racket running on the side? Damn, I'm a podcaster. I gotta eat. Well, I like food. Well, then have our listeners head over to westcoastgeeks.com today and get some sweet merch. And don't forget that promo code, NerdShow. Look, sometimes you go into that ring looking for a victory, and sometimes you go into that ring looking for revenge. So let's be clear. A month ago, a month ago when Sasha came back, she wasn't looking to beat me. She was looking to end me with those chair shots. She wanted me out of the game. So at hell in a cell, she will get her chance. And she better take it. Because she knows I will. Damon hates wrestling. All right, so Christian, we are one week away from the landscape of the wrestling world changing forever. <laughs> We've got SmackDown finally moving over to Fox starting next Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got AEW premiering on TNT on Wednesday. Um, you know, finally starting, you know, the true Wednesday Night War. Um, NXT's been on for the last couple of weeks, but that's been kind of like just like the pre-show, you know, leading up to this. Um, you know, we've got the premiere, the season premiere of Raw, mm-hmm. you know, whatever they're pointing <laughs> at. Uh, but it, there's going to be a lot of major changes, changes happening in wrestling. Um, they've shaked up the announced teams. They announced that today, recording this on Thursday. Yes. Um, you know, some big moves made. Basically, all of the Raw announced team is moving over to SmackDown, which to me signifies that, you know, SmackDown is now the A show. Um, it makes sense, you know, they're a network channel. They're, I yeah. mean, so, I mean, it would only make sense for them to put all their eggs in that basket. I'm sure that doesn't necessarily make USA happy, um, but maybe NXT was, you know, part of that, you know, trying to, like, appease them a little. Well, so, that would explain why they advertised NXT every 10 minutes yes, on Raw. <laughs> yes. Um, so, I... Uh, We've got an announced team over Raw. I've never heard of pretty much anyone on the team except for Lawler. Um, they, you know, dug up Lawler and brought him back. Mm-hmm. Uh, last time we saw him, he was getting uh, uh, assaulted by Bray Wyatt. Um, yeah, uh, we got Dio Madden and Vic Joseph joining the team. So, I, I, I is Dio Madden the 205 Live guy? Or is that Vic Joseph? <laughs> Regardless, I haven't heard him. Of any of them. <laughs> and if you listen to this podcast, you know we don't watch 205 Live. Yes, so. absolutely. Um, but yeah, otherwise, NXT was untouched, which, I mean, I'm happy with. 
but yeah, I mean, some big, some big moves, you know, absolutely. Um, I, I just don't know, you know, what this means for the wrestling world right now, you know, except there's going to be a lot of content and I, hopefully, you know, good content at this point. So, um, I, I'm really curious to see what AEW brings to the table. I've enjoyed so far what NXT has done. Um, I love that they're staying true to the product. A lot of some people, well, not a lot, but some people were complaining about this last week's show, calling it kind of boring and everything like that. I think so many people are just so used to NXT like takeovers <laughs> that when they have kind of like, you know, just another chapter to the story, you know, mm-hmm. furthering storylines and everything like that, you know, for a show, it feels like really low key to them. I guess, do you feel like that's going to hurt their live numbers going forward? You mean the the ratings? Yeah, I just feel like it's a regular show. Like mm-hmm. I mean, Raw has those plenty of weeks, so I mean, it's just I think people are going to have to adjust the way they view NXT. Um, if you're watching it weekly, and I think a lot of people are like us, where you, you kind of play catch up when a takeover is like right around the corner, mm-hmm. and you binge watch maybe four or five episodes. But if they're having to tell weekly stories now. I mean, you're going to have episodes. And this wasn't even a down episode. I mean, you had Matt Riddle and Killian Dane like tearing down the house. So, I mean, you had solid matches on the show. After everything we've seen them fight so far, seeing them in an actual full-length match mm-hmm. was kind of a little... Uh, not as uh, not as exciting. I thought it was fine. I mean, what the hell did you want from them? I like, don't know. Like, set each other on fire? <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> um, it seems like it was probably, like, the last chapter of their little feud right now. Matt Riddle's moving on to mm. Adam Cole. Um, you know, Which I and, thought was the right choice at the time. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, I mean, it makes for a great marquee match to go up against AEW. So, I mean, this show is all building towards next week, which is when the war starts. So... It, I don't know. It made sense to me. I didn't think it was a bad show at all. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and I love the feel of the show right now. It feels like a smaller, more intimate, like kind of independent show. So I hope that it keeps that vibe. They haven't like betrayed the brand, which I think everyone was kind of fearful for, mm-hmm. you know, once they went live on, you know, USA. You know, what was McMahon all of a sudden getting get involved and really, you know, change what NXT was all about. Um, we still have the draft around the corner, so I, I, you know, I'm hoping that NXT actually ends up becoming a better show because the dra- draft, mm-hmm. not a lesser show. A lot of times they get rated during these shows. I think um, there's some names that would definitely benefit from you know being part of NXT again and everything mm-hmm. and getting a new fresh coat of paint. So, um, you know, but we'll see. You know, we'll see if. NXT is really a legit third brand. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you know, how are you feeling going into this next week? You know, I, I think I'm actually excited for once, you know, to get back into watching live television and seeing what, maybe if they'll take an opportunity to make a new era with Raw and SmackDown completely, you know, really see what they're going to do to step up the tables. So as a around. fan, you haven't been watching... Yeah. At least the live shows, mm. you know, the weekly live shows. For years. For Yes, for a long time. Um, so hopefully a lot of these recaps <laughs> won't be so one-sided anymore. So do you think this is what is going to do it for you as a fan? Like, this has gotten you that interested again that you're actually looking forward to watching wrestling weekly again? This is, this is what I'm hoping 
will be the step <laughs> to get in there. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to take one bad three-hour raw exactly. for you to turn off the TV again. Oh, it. I mean, so. hearing that Lawler was back on the team immediately made me go, do I want to sit through this? He's better than Byron Saxton. Yeah, anything's better than Byron I Saxton. I feel bad for Todd Phillips. <laughs> I mean, where's Todd Phillips? I don't know. You know, I mean, he was probably, God, he was one of their best announcers. So it's just crazy to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am not going to miss Byron Saxon at all. I mm. don't know what they'll have him doing. Maybe they'll put him backstage or something as an interviewer. I imagine Todd Phillips will be backstage as an interviewer. Yeah, that's kind of what his old gig was, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So maybe. It's just, I just feel bad for the guys. So, um, but anyway. I mean, he was just doing his job. He was doing the best he could with what he had, you know. Um, I don't know, man. I I don't know. I'm nervous about it because it just it's a whole lot. And WWE has a lot on their plate. And, you know, I mean, maybe competition will bring out the best in them. But, you know, I obviously have major concerns. Yes. Um, I, now, what about AEW? Like, are you anxious with it? I'm anxious right now. I'm not going to lie with AEW. I, I really, I'm I'm nervous just because, you know, it's a lot. I think there's a lot of pressure on mm-hmm. them, you know, to perform at a really high rate. Where And I feel like a lot of people are going to be, like, you know, waiting for them to fuck up. We've seen it with all their pay-per-views, like any kind of, like, mishaps, you know. Internet fans are all over them. Mm-hmm. Like, we are internet fans, so um. But it I'm just, just surprised by the amount, like how like thick this line between WWE and AEW is with fans already. I don't get it, cause I'm a WWE fan. I grew up mm-hmm. a WWE fan, but I can admit when the product sucks. You know, I've been watching for you know, God, at this point, almost thirty years. Mm-hmm. You know, um. But I know when they're going through, you know, shitty periods. And this is definitely one of them. And it's not the talent's fault. So, I mean, it's okay to admit... It's like almost being a sports fan. You know, I'm a huge Bears fan. But, like, I can admit when my team sucks. It doesn't seem like a lot of wrestling fans can do that. Like, right away, they, like, jump to the defense, you know, of the WWE. And I don't understand why because obviously they don't really care that much for you as a mm-hmm. consumer since they keep on putting out this crappy product week after week now it has gotten better over the last couple months i will say that but man it was pretty dark right after wrestlemania mm-hmm. um so i i don't understand this blind loyalty thing and why can't you just like both <laughs> So that's another uh-huh. thing. Like wrestling is wrestling. Just be a wrestling fan, um, you know. Because I'll also admit when AEW has a bad show or New Japan for that matter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, wrestling's wrestling. Just enjoy all of it. Um, and there's enough of it nowadays where you can kind of pick and choose what you want to watch. Um, you know, just because one match sucks doesn't mean all the matches are going to suck on the show. Yeah. So I mean, and there's. Such a wide variety now. Everyone has a little bit of everything for you. So, um, but anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. Uh, <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. I'm just really nervous for them. I I want them to succeed so badly mm-hmm. that you know I'm just fearful. Um, I, once Kenny started talking smack about NXT, it just kind of turned my stomach a little. I I felt like I just I they've been like 
poking the bear, so to speak, of late, you know, well, not of late, since the start, really, I mean, Cody especially, with the WWE, um, I feel like with Kenny's remarks, you painted NXT as the underdog, and it just doesn't make any sense for me. Like, and he's not that kind of guy. Yeah. Where I was like, are you working a, a, a promo? I think he or? is. Because there's something, they're doing a lot of weird stuff with Kenny right now, mm-hmm. in general. And I'm not caught up with, like, being the leader. Exactly. Like that. There, there seems to be some type of weird uh, work that they're doing with him right now. That mm-hmm. he's going out on all platforms and just playing this character. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, hey, man, cool. <laughs> as long as it's a character. He's, he's the type of guy that at least I can admit that he will dedicate himself to a story. I can't imagine him going out of his way to insult NXT. Yes, especially since like he's actually friends with some people exactly. on the roster. And there's some you know workers on the roster who there's no way would be in dark matches for AEW. Get the fuck out of here, mm-hmm. you know? Um, there's some main event level guys who just haven't gotten their shots yet, you know. Um, I mean, Kushida is on fucking NXT for <laughs> exactly. crying out loud. So it, it has to be an angle, right? I just, I want them to just concentrate on themselves, though. You know, not worry so much about WWE and what they're doing. Because I feel like that's a huge mistake. You know, don't sit there and respond to everything WWE does or mm-hmm. says. You know, all the little, like, you know... You know, jabs that maybe Triple H takes. Just do your own thing and put on an awesome product. Because I think then you're focusing on the wrong things. Yes. So, um, but, you know, it is definitely an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. You know, I just hope it all works out mm-hmm. um, in the long run. And we're not singing a different tune in a year or so. So, um, they made a bunch of announcements today. Um, we're recording this Thursday. Uh, for like the international market for AEW oh, and yes. for some some announcements for NXT too because I guess there were some like rights you know issues with NXT since they're on the WWE network and not everyone gets USA so I think they had to figure some things out on that side um, but yeah and, and there sounds like there's going to be another big announcement coming from AEW shortly about TV I don't know if it's possible and this is a rumor but I don't know if it's possibly about another show, maybe, if they're going to get a second show on TNT. I know they're, they're um, right now they're going to be getting replays, which I thought was interesting. It's very WCW Nitro. Hmm. They're going to be replaying the show, like, after midnight or something. Um, so, um, which is kind of neat. So it gives you an opportunity to catch up regardless yeah. if you miss it. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it really is a cool time. Um, did you get, catch any of the results from Raw or SmackDown this week? Um, I mean, I caught c- clips here and there. Uh huh. Yeah. Per usual, I, but it was an okay show. I, I, I'm, I'm taking big umbrage with what they're doing with Seth Rollins. I feel like they're assassinating his character. Basically, I love how they're pushing Bray Wyatt. I just hate that they've got Seth cowering in the corner, like terrified of Bray. You know, show after show, like he's literally this week, like screaming. In the corner when Bray's approaching him. And, I mean, even back in the day with The Undertaker, I've never seen any wrestler react to him like that. Let alone, I mean, this is a character that you knew before he mm-hmm. put on this Halloween mask. There's no reason for you to be that scared of him. So, um, it's just a, not a good look for your champion. 
it felt more like Spirit Squad versus The Undertaker. Yeah, like, right? You know? <laughs> like, it's a little too hokey. Mm. Um, and I don't just don't know if that's like Seth is, Seth's like performance, um, if it's a choice that he's making. Uh, but I feel like he's not acting on his own. So, because um, I don't know. I mean, this is a guy we literally saw you know, bring his fucking, like, mangled corpse out, Mm -hmm. you know, bandaged up to face Brock Lesnar, you know, using a chair as a crutch. Like, people fucking, you know, shit all over that. Um, And then all of a sudden, like, a month later, he's cowering in the corner from Bray Wyatt. It it doesn't make any sense (laughs) for the character. It really doesn't. Uh, But whatever. I'm glad that they're booking Bray so strong. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they don't fuck it up at Hell in the South. Yes. So it's um, only a week away, which is nuts. Yes, I'm excited for what they're doing with Sasha and Becky. I hope there's some, you know, title changes happening on this show because I feel like it's time, you know, for both Seth and Becky mm-hmm. to drop those belts at this point. I'm just fearful that's not the route they're gonna go, you know, at this point. So, um, we'll see. We'll see. So, um, is there anything else WWE wise? Oh, they're bringing back John uh, Morrison. Yes. Um, I I I've always liked John Morrison. I liked him back in the day. Uh, I liked a lot of what he was doing with Lucha Underground. It'll be interesting to see what he's doing. Um, what they, how they use him in WWE nowadays. Yeah, you know? I mean, I when they the, the the press release or the you know the report came out was it a press release by WWE? Um, I didn't realize that it's been eight mm-hmm. years since he's been with the WWE. I really haven't caught many John Morrison matches since then. I know he was with Impact. Um, he was with Lucha Underground, obviously. Um, but he was always a wrestler that was missing something for me. Like, I loved his moveset and everything like that. It just never seemed like he ever like put it all together. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he has since then. I mean, I'm definitely excited to see him back, you know, with the product just, you know, so I can see him on a weekly basis. Um, it felt like AEW was probably a better fit for him, but, you know, hopefully WWE actually has some plans for him. You know, I'm sure, I mean, they paid a lot for him because I I bet, you know, he warranted some kind of bidding war. Um, you know. Well, he had been like, um, even the last pay-per-view for AEW, he was in like short videos during like being the elite and stuff like that. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. He was. So, and I think he was rumored to be backstage at one point and everything. So I, uh, Killer Cross is another like impact wrestler who's I, I think a free agent currently. Mm. So there's like um, rumors going around that you know he might pop up on either show. I feel like he's another one who AEW is a better fit for, but WWE has the, you know the deeper wallet at this point. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up over there. And he's definitely he looks like a McMahon wrestler. But I also said that with EC3 and, mm-hmm. you know, he's doing the job, you know, over <laughs> to, you know, with Rusev on Raw. So uh-huh. I was just happy he, he got a match. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I popped for that. So um, what do you think about uh, WWE bringing back all these wrestlers who are kind of like at home collecting a check, you know, like quietly protesting <laughs> their contracts? I mean, my thoughts are just, you know, they're preparing for the, you know, the draft and everything they want you to see that these guys have a presence and you know re- reminder of that uh i think one of the kind of the reports or opinions i was seeing out there was like you know they're they're painting um rusev as like this very serious competitor and they want you to remember him as like 
you know, the brutes, Rusev and everything. Mashka. But, yeah, exactly. But then they have him in this very, you know... Silly storyline. Exactly. At least to start off. But the, <laughs> this week they totally forgot about it. Renee made quick mention that Rusev really wasn't the father of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it felt weird. I don't understand why. It felt very Vince Russo. <laughs> you know, I hate to say it. Um, but it's just like, oh, we're going to start a storyline. And then the next week we're going to hope that you just forget about yes. it. So it was a little bizarre. Um, it, it got no reaction from the crowd. So I think that's probably why they're like, we need to drop this now. Because it was a really fat, flat, like, you know, re-debut for him, mm-hmm. which was unfortunate. I thought they did a good job with Luke Harper. It was what made sense. Um, and I enjoy everything they've done so far with him. But I, like, part of me is also like, are they bringing back these, you know, wrestlers like Sasha and everything like that? So it kind of like squashes, you know, any rumors out there that yes. they're going to be going to AEW anytime soon. Um, you know, I feel like that's probably part of it. But I also think it's an all on hands, like all hands on deck situation because they've got, you know, you know, these shows now, all three shows and they need some names on all of them. So, and you've got the draft, you know, mm-hmm. weeks away at this point. Um, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to cover a draft again. Yep. So, but yeah, no, it is an exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Um, I'm sad to say I have not been keeping up with New Japan. I know Jay White just won the IC belt from, uh, from Naito um, to everyone's dismay. I don't feel like that's the last we've seen of Naito, though. I'm sure he's probably going to end up getting a rematch at least before Wrestle Kingdom. And hopefully he gets back into it. Because I don't see the, the whole point of this whole angle with the IC belt. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the, the champ getting a title match at Wrestle Kingdom for that second or the first night. I don't know which night it is at this point. But it felt like that was catered towards Naito. In his quest, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a Unless little weird. They right want to put both on Jay White. I don't know, man. I, Make I'm him not, the ultimate heel. I'm not buying it at this point. I hope that's not <laughs> the case. So, um, what else happened, New Japan wise? Oh, we got a uh, Jushin Liger's um, alter ego. Alter ego. Uh, Kishin Liger. Kishin Liger. Terrifying. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard about Keishan Liger. Um, and it sounded kind of weird to me, but like seeing it, like, you know, just clips of it, I'm like, Jesus Christ, man. Yeah. If there was anyone to like make even Suzuki cower in fear, <laughs> it, it was Kishin Liger. And I think it was epic. You know, you have um, uh, Suzuki's trying to rip off the mask. He pushes him away. He does it himself. Mm. He pulls out and he tries to kill him pretty much. He takes a needle at Suzuki. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. So, I mean, I'm sure he'll face off against Keishin Liger soon. Yes. Um, and then I don't know if they'll end up with a match, like a final match between him and Jushin Liger. Um, supposedly, uh, Suzuki's not going to be his final opponent, though. I don't know if that match is going to take place at Wrestle Kingdom. Mm. I don't know who they're leading up to. I guess um, traditionally a lot of times too with like these like final matches or retirement matches, they end up kind of doing like a gauntlet type deal um, where they face off against multiple oppo- opponents. Oh, okay. So, which I thought was interesting. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know how I feel like that. I, I guess I'm just so used to like the Western style of booking, you mm. know, but 
we'll see what that's like if they end up going that route. So I was kind of hoping that Suzuki would be the last match. I mean, this has been a great like angle for Liger and everything. And I don't know. It just feels like a, a nice way to kind of send him off to mm -hmm. the, in the sunset. But also at the same time, you know, and I don't know, once again, if this is a Western thing, I mean, usually you do the honors on your last match. Does, you know, Suzuki, you know, need that kind of rub? No. You know, no. So, like, maybe it goes to a younger wrestler, like a Jay White or something like that, you know. So, which everyone would fucking hate. That'd be like, that'd be totally like a Baron Corbin, yes. and Kurt Angle type deal. <laughs> so, fucking, you nix that. <laughs> I was thinking maybe Zach uh, Sabre Jr. Oh, that'd be cool. Zack Sabre Jr. Or, um, or maybe even Juice Robinson. Because they've been, you know, definitely pushing him mm -hmm. lately and everything like that. I mean, it'd be a nice passing the torch. Be a friendly confrontation, you know, after this insane, you know, battle that he's been through with Suzuki. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. That is. I am falling asleep on <laughs> Mike, Christian. <laughs> We got to start doing these things earlier. We can try, I guess. Uh, <laughs> All right, uh, as always, make sure that you check out DramaCityProductions.com. Uh, they have plenty of great podcasts over there, including us, or check us out on your favorite podcast platform. That's anything from Podbean to Apple Podcasts, anywhere. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review, as always. Um, you can also follow us on all of your favorite social media sites. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes. Um, go ahead, you know, uh, message us, give us some feedback. Um, it may, you know, if, if you have any questions for the show, let us know. Maybe we'll answer them on the podcast. Yeah, like where you could possibly get merch. That's right. And where can you get some awesome nerd swag, Christian? Well, you can get it over on ProWrestlingTees.com or TeePublic. That's right. Um, go ahead and check those uh, sites out and uh, help support the show. Yes. Also, if you like what you're hearing right now, that's uh, DJ Greg Brebner. You can check him out on um, SoundCloud and I think he's on Instagram. Yeah, go ahead and follow stuff. him on Instagram. Um, he's constantly posting yes. um, new music. And then, yes, go ahead and uh, subscribe to him on SoundCloud. He's got a lot of free, awesome downloads for you. Yeah, and at the beginning of the show, it was a great rockabilly band, uh, Them Guilty Aces. Check out their music. They're on iTunes and everywhere. Yes, that's right. If you're ever in the Chicagoland area, go ahead and check out our show. They pretty much play uh, every weekend. All right, that does it for this show. Next week, we start Horror Month. That's officially. right. Best time of the year, man. Yes. And it's the beginning of the war. All the wrestling shows that we could possibly watch. We're going to start talking about and them. And you heard Christian promise it here. He's going to start watching these yes. shows live. Even if it kills me. <laughs> it just might. <laughs> It's almost killed me, Christian. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right, so that's going to do it for this week. Yes, my name's Christian. And my name's Damon. And that's the Amazing Nerd Show. You miserable motherfucker. I ought to jump over this counter and bash your fucking balls in. All right, Tippy, hand over the cash box, and I might leave your brains inside your skull. Well, I'll tell you what, Ski King. Why don't you just take your mama home some chicken, and then I won't have to stuff my boot all up in your ass. I don't like chicken, and I hate clowns. Put that shit down. All right. Put it down. Fuck. Oh, that is it. I'm going to count to ten, and you're going to hand over all the cash. 
or I'm gonna splatter your grease paint mug across the state line. One! Fuck your mama! Two! Fuck your sister! What are we gonna do? Hey, I know you. You work at the hardware store, right? Richard Wick, right? Shut your trap! Quiet down, both of you! Three! Fuck your grandma! Yeah, I remember now. All the guys made fun of you. Call you little dick wick. Shut up! Little dick wick, play with his brick. Don't the smell just make you sick? Stop singing, I hate that song! Get your fucking mask back on! Fuck it! Security alert. Subscription no longer valid. ANS system vulnerable. Please update subscription to security to continue.